Section 46 of the Junior Classics, Volume 9, Stories of Today. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The Rose and the Ring, or the history of prince giglo and prince bulbo by mr m a titmarsh twelve how betsinda fled and what became of her betsinda wandered on and on till she passed through the town gates and so on the great trim tartary road the very way on which giglo too was going ah thought she as the diligence passed her of which the conductor was blowing a delightful tune on his horn how i should like to be on that coach but the coach and the jingling horses were very soon gone she little knew who was in it though very likely she was thinking of him all the time then came an empty cart returning from the market and the driver being a kind man and seeing such a very pretty girl trudging along the road with bare feet most good-naturedly gave her a seat he said he lived on the confines of the forest where his old father was a woodman and if she liked he would take her so far on her road all roads were the same to little betsinda so she very thankfully took this one and the carter put a cloth round her bare feet and gave her some bread and cold bacon and was very kind to her for all that she was very cold and melancholy when after travelling on and on evening came and all the black pines were bending with snow and there at last was the comfortable light beaming in the woodman's windows and so they arrived and went into his cottage he was an old man and had a number of children who were just at supper with nice hot bread and milk when their elder brother arrived with the cart and they jumped and clapped their hands for they were good children and he had brought them toys from the town and when they saw the pretty stranger they ran to her and brought her to the fire and rubbed her poor little feet and brought her bread and milk look father they said to the old woodman look at this poor girl and see what pretty cold feet she has they are as white as our milk and look and see what an odd cloak she has just like the bit of velvet that hangs up in our cupboard and which you found that day the little cubs were killed by king padella in the forest and look why bless us all she has got round her neck just such another little shoe as that you brought home and have showed us so often a little blue velvet shoe what said the old woodman what is all this about a shoe and a cloak and betsinda explained that she had been left 
when quite a little child at the town with this cloak and this shoe and the person who had taken care of her had been angry with her for no fault she hoped of her own and they sent her away with her old clothes and here in fact she was she remembered having been in a forest and perhaps it was a dream it was so very odd and strange having lived in a cave with lions there and before that having lived in a very very fine house as fine as the king's in the town when the woodman heard this he was astonished it was quite curious to see how astonished he was he went to his cupboard and took out of a stocking a five shilling piece of king calvo fiori and vowed it was exactly like the young woman and then he produced the shoe and piece of velvet which he had kept so long and compared them with the things which betsinda wore in betsinda's little shoe was written hopkins maker to the royal family and so in the other shoe was written hopkins maker to the royal family and inside of betsinda's piece of cloak was embroidered pin rosel in the other piece of cloak was embroidered cesspot number two four six so that when put together you read princess rosabella number two four six on seeing this the dear old woodman fell down on his knee saying oh my princess oh my gracious royal lady oh my rightful queen of crim tartary i hail thee i acknowledge thee i do thee homage and in token of his fatality he rubbed his venerable nose three times on the ground and put the princess's foot on his head court for in her lowly retreat and under the name of betsinda her majesty rosalba queen of crim tartary had read of the customs of all foreign courts and nations mary indeed i am my gracious liege the poor lord spinachi once the humble woodman these fifteen years sign ever since the tyrant padella may ruin overtake the treacherous knave dismiss me from my post of first lord first lord of the toothpick and joint keeper of the snuff-box i mind me thou heldest these posts under our royal sire these are restored to thee lord spinachie i make thee knight of the second class of our order of the pumpkin the first class being reserved for crowned heads alone rise marquis of spinachie and with indescribable majesty the queen who had no sword handy waved the pewter spoon with which she had been taking her bread and milk over the bald head of the old nobleman whose tears absolutely made a puddle on the ground and whose dear children went to bed that night lords and ladies bartolomo abdaldo carina and ottavia 
Delgi Spinacci. The acquaintance Her Majesty showed with the history and noble families of her empire was wonderful. The House of Broccoli shall remain faithful to us, she said. They were ever welcome at our court. Have the Artichochi, as was their wont, turned to the rising sun? The family of sauerkraut must sure be with us. They were ever welcome in the halls of King Calvori. And so she went on enumerating quite a list of nobility and gentry of Crim Tartary. So admirably had Her Majesty profited from her studies while in exile. The old Marquis of Spinacci said he could answer for them all that the whole country groaned under padella's tyranny and longed to return to its rightful sovereign and late as it was he sent his children who knew the forest well to summon this nobleman and that and when his eldest son who had been rubbing the horse down and giving him his supper came into the house for his own the marquis told him to put his boots on and saddle on the mare and ride hither and thither to such and such people when the young man heard who his companion in the cart had been he too knelt down and put her royal foot on his head he too bedewed the ground with his tears he was frantically in love with her as everybody now who saw her so were the young lords bartolomo and abdaldo who punched each other's little heads out of jealousy and so when they came from east and west at the summons of the marquis delgi spinacci were the crim tartar lords who still remained faithful to the house of califiori they were such very old gentlemen for the most part that her majesty never suspected their absurd passion and went among them quite unaware of the havoc her beauty was causing until an old blind lord who had joined her party told her what the truth was after which for fear of making the people too much in love with her she always wore a veil she went about privately from one nobleman's castle to another and they visited among themselves again and had meetings and composed proclamations and counter-proclamations and distributed all the best places of the kingdom amongst one another and selected who of the opposition party should be executed when the queen came to her own and so in about a year they were ready to move the party of fidelity was in truth composed of very feeble old fogies for the most part they went about the country waving their old swords and flags and calling god save the queen and king padella happening to be absent upon an invasion they had their own way for a little and to be sure the people were very enthusiastic whenever they saw the queen otherwise the vulgar took matters very quietly for they say as far as they could recollect 
they were pretty well as much taxed in Calvofori's time as now in Padella's. End of section 46. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.